0: in 10-3. Faces are loaded for Verlander who waits out in real finish. He swings and it's a high fly ball, deep center field, it is gone, home run, and a huge bat flip to celebrate. Alright Ben, start the show already. What's up everybody, welcome into another episode of Flippin' Bats. I am back, I am here in studio, I am back from Japan, and what an unbelievable trip it was so this is monday new episode new week meaning power rankings are back but this episode is going to look a little bit different i'm going to hit you with the power rankings my updated top 10 major league baseball power rankings and then what i'm going to do is talk about japan a full recap of my trip and how it went and my experiences and uh, yeah, I was doing daily episodes in Japan, but this will be a little bit different. So this will kind of just sum it all up and uh, put a put a nice bow on one of the best trips of my life. So uh, before we get to that, we are going to do my top 10 Major League Baseball Power Rankings, which I wasn't able to do in Japan. So now we are back. I am back. And let's get to it. At number 10 in the Power Rankings, I have the Tampa Bay Rays. The Rays are playing better. The Rays were. Uh, the Rays have been really up and down all year, but they're starting to play better. 70 and 57. They're 12 and four in their last 16 games, which that stretch got them back into my power They haven't been on in a while, but 12 and four in their last 16. They are here at number 10. Moving on to number nine, the San Diego Padres. The Padres confuse me. Um, they, they just aren't very good right now. They are playing a little bit better of late. Um, Juan Soto has been great since his uh, arrival to San Diego. He's reached base in 19 of 20 games. Juan Soto is doing Juan Soto things. He's getting on base. The Padres themselves are struggling. And Josh Hader, in particular, who was at the beginning of the year on a historic pace, was, was historically good. He's... There's no other way to put it other than he's been really bad. Um, In his few appearances with the Padres, he's given up 12 runs. His ERA is now over six. uh, Gave up six runs in a third of an inning on Sunday. Uh, So this is not what the Padres were expecting when they traded for Josh Hader. I do believe that they are a better team than they are showing and that Josh Hader will snap out of this funk because he's that talented. But they're here at 70 and 59 and at number nine. On my power rankings. Let's move on to number eight, the Seattle Mariners. I love this Mariners team. As of right now, they're in a wild card spot and they are on track to end the longest professional playoff drought in American sports. That's how long it's been. And they are close. They're 69 and 58, they're in a wild card spot. Julio Rodriguez just signed his new deal. A massive deal worth many, many millions, but it, there's a lot going on there. It could be worth $210 million, It could be worth 400 plus million. It's all over the map, but great signing there. Mariners are playing pretty well, um, and, and I just believe they're a good team, and their rotation is going to do well if they can get into the playoffs. Let's move on. Number seven, the Philadelphia Phillies, 51-26 and 26 since June 1st. Since June 1st, they are the third best team in baseball record-wise. They also just added back Bryce Harper, which whenever you can add an MVP into your lineup, that's a good thing. They were playing really well without him. Now they get him back. You add back Bryce Harper, and you can just take off from there. I like the Phillies a lot. I really believed in them at the beginning of this year. They were struggling for a while, but they have turned it on. They're 72-56. and and here at number seven. Let's move on. Number six, the St. Louis Cardinals. Man, what a duo. Nolan Arenado, Paul Goldschmidt, killing it. They're 73-54. and 54. They're 11-3 in their last 14 games. They're getting hot at the right time. They overtook the Brewers a, a, a few weeks ago and haven't really looked back. Since the trade deadline, that's the date you can point to. And I called it with the Brewers. They were one of the most disappointing teams for me at the trade deadline. They were a massive disappointment. The Cardinals did what they needed to. Jordan Montgomery has been great since he came over. The team is firing on all cylinders right now, and they've moved up to their highest spot all year at number six. At number five, New York Yankees. The Yankees went through an abysmal stretch. I mean abysmal. Nine and 20 in a 29-game stretch after the All-Star break. But since then, they've won 5 of 6, entering Sunday. Um, so they're starting to, to get back better. Look, I've been saying this all year. When the Yankees were rolling, when they were the best team in baseball, I said, look, they're, they're a great team, but I didn't believe they were that good. I, I didn't believe they were going to shatter the all-time record. I also don't believe they were as bad as they were after the All-Star break. I believe they are a lot better than that. It was somewhere in the middle, and that's what we're starting to see. The Yankees are playing much better. They are a fantastic baseball team. They are one of the best teams in the league. Do not let that 9-20 and 20 stretch fool you. The Yankees are great. They're going to be a force for the rest of this year and in the playoffs. Moving on to number four, the Atlanta Braves. Since June 1st, the Braves are 56-22. They're 79-49 and 49 on the year. 56 and 22 since June 1st. That is the best record in baseball in that stretch. So since June 1st, the Braves are the best team in baseball. They've been playing so great. The young studs are what propelled this team. We all thought it was going to be Ronald Acuna coming back and Matt Olson and Dansby Swanson and Austin Riley. Have those guys been good? Yes, but the Braves are not where they are without Michael Harris II and Spencer Strider. They just aren't, and they're here at number four because of them. Let's move on to number three. At three, I have the New York Mets. Ah, oh, The Mets are so good. The Mets are 43-19 and against NL East rivals this year. 43-19. and That's how you grab a commanding lead in the division, by just dominating everybody in your division. They're also really good elsewhere. They're 82 and 47 on the year. Jacob DeGrom is back. He's a stud. Max Scherzer is unbelievable. The rotation is really good and the offense picks them up as well. I like the Mets a lot. They are here at number three. Let's move on to number two, the Houston Astros. The Astros are great. We know they're great. They're 82 and 47. A big difference between them this year and them last year, which is why I believe they are as good as they are. Yes, the pitching is great, um, but their bullpen last year was middle of the pack. It is the best in baseball this year. Their bullpen ERA is sub-3, and they are the only team in all Major League Baseball to have a bullpen ERA under-3. Rotation, fantastic. Frommer Valdez in the middle of a streak of, of quality starts. That is the longest streak in all of Astros' history. A uh, little bit of concern with my brother on Sunday, got pulled uh, out of his start, a little bit of a, a calf strain is what they're calling it. So um, we'll know more soon, but uh, hopefully he's okay, And because he is the front runner for the AL Cy Young, in my opinion, and in now the opinion of pretty much everybody. So uh, hopefully he's fine, but got pulled after the third inning of that game on Sunday against the Orioles, came out. Uh, and they, they said it was a leg injury. So hope all is well there with Justin. Let's move on to my number one team for a few weeks running. Now it is the Los Angeles Dodgers. The Dodgers are 88 and 38 records get thrown around a lot, but just listen to that one. 88 and 38. That is just wild. I'm not great at math one of my better subjects, but that's pretty close to 50 games over 500. In fact, it is 50 games over 500. They're on pace to win a franchise record, 113 games, and that would be the fourth highest single-season win total in MLB history behind the Mariners' MLB record of 116. So the MLB all-time record is in reach. Am I claiming that they're going to break it? No. But it is within reach. They're on pace for 113. The all-time record is 116. And for that reason and many more, the Los Angeles Dodgers are the number one team in my updated MLB power rankings. All right. Now that I'm back, I got the power rankings back rolling. Japan. I want to talk about Japan and the trip that I had. Um, Just a full Japan recap here. Uh, it was it was legitimately the trip of a lifetime every single day I was saying man I'll remember this forever and then it just got to a point where I was like this is the this has to be the greatest week and a half two weeks of my life it was it was absolutely incredible so I'm gonna go a, a full recap We're gonna, I want to talk about a few different things and um, this is gonna be a lot of fun because this trip, it was a magical trip. It really was, and that's a, an adjective that I don't typically use, but this was special, um, and, and it'll, it'll, it'll mean a lot to me for the rest of my life. So, first thing I want to talk about. Baseball in Japan is definitely a little bit different, so I want to start with five things that Major League Baseball needs, so five things that we need to bring to America. At number five, fireworks during the game. I was at a baseball game in Japan. It was the Yakult Swallows game, and after like the fifth inning, the lights went down. This scoreboard countdown began, and I was like, "Oh man, what are we counting down to?" This is going to be fun. Little did I know how fun. The countdown ended and fireworks shot into the sky. It was the middle of the game. We got a full-blown fireworks show. This wasn't like one, two, three fireworks. This was like three minutes of just massive fireworks shooting off in the middle of the game. Love that. We need that. Enough of Post-game fireworks, ha, <laughs> ha, I raise you mid-game fireworks, my friends. We need that, and it's here at number five. Add number four, away jerseys sold at games. Any game you go to, let's say you go to a Tokyo Giants game. Whoever they're playing, the away team jerseys will be in the shop for you to buy. I love that. It's, it's, it's unbelievably smart. You go to a game, not everybody there is fans of, let's say, the Tokyo Giants. Roughly 30% of the crowd is fans of another team. Why not have their gear in the shop as well? I think it's a very smart thing to do, and it's at number four on my list. And number three, cheerleaders. Everybody has cheerleaders. Why don't we in America? I don't know. But we sure should. Uh, they're everywhere. There's they all. They have a name, like whatever team that they're a cheerleader for. They all have their squad. Um, one of them was known as the Passion. I forget which team it was, but there's about like every team has like 10 to 15 cheerleaders, and they go around pregame when they're announcing the team. They're out on the field doing these dances. They're getting the crowd pumped up. They're holding signs. They're holding banners. They're dancing around, they're making people excited, they're waving. What are we doing by not doing that? Look, football, cheerleaders, basketball, cheerleaders and dancers. Baseball? Nope. It's just you, a beer, and the baseball game. No cheerleaders to pump you up. We need that here, and it's here at number three on my list. And number two, just the crowd experience from start to finish. There's pep rallies before the game. Fans out and about getting pumped up. The cheerleaders that were at number three are also out there doing that. But it's just a a great experience from when you show up to when the game ends. Then you go inside and the game starts. There's a band out in the outfield playing the drums. There's flags twirling. There's there's chance for every team has multiple different chance. Um, it's just a it's a party in the stand. Everybody talks about like soccer games and how you go to soccer games and there's chance and it's just a party in the stands. You go to Japan baseball games and it's just a massive party in the stands. It's so much fun. Um, and I think that's kind of the theme of why this is here at number two is, it's just fun. Like aside from what's even going on out on the field, you're having fun in the stands. There's, you, you know, you're bopping along to the beat of the drums. There's, there's flags flying. Um, also, a really cool thing there is the the fans are split. Whatever f- team you're a fan of is determining what side of the stadium you're sitting on. So the the separate fans aren't really intermingled. And one of the producers that was out there with me, actually, at one of the games bought an away jersey at the home of the home team, which was number four on my list. He bought an away jersey, goes inside, and went to film something with a camera. They wouldn't let him past a certain point. There was a line in the stands where you couldn't cross the fan line. So, one, I think that's really cool because it just makes the optics look awesome. Like, you look out and you you know where the other fans are and you know where your fans are, and it's a very stark contrast. But also, like, there's no fighting. Not that there would be in Japan, but there are in the, in the stands in America. There wouldn't be near as much fighting. You're separated. It looks really cool. Just the whole fan experience is... Uh, something I was blown away by. I loved watching baseball games in Japan because of the fan experience. And that's why it's here at number two. And number one, without a doubt, and when I tell you that we need this at Major League Baseball games, we need this. And number one, beer girls. They're everywhere. They are carrying kegs on their backs full-size kegs and they are working they're the hardest workers in the stadium i have no problem saying that these beer girls are the hardest workers in the stadium they are hustling around there are hundreds the second you raise your hand you don't even have to be making eye contact or looking for one they don't even have to be around you so you think you raise your hand there's a beer girl there within 10 seconds Within 10 seconds, you will have a beer in your hand, right from the keg off of their back. It is brilliant, it is genius, and I don't know why we don't have it in the United States. Maybe it's just because nobody knows about beer girls. But I am here to start the beer girl movement in the United States. You heard it here first. If you're listening, I don't know who can make this happen, but just trust me here sales will go through the roof just because of how quick it is. Like sometimes I would even just like raise my hand to wave at somebody. Guess what? Beer girl shows up. Well, I guess, I guess I'll get a beer now. You're really good at your job. Just trust me. It's the greatest thing going and we need them here in the United States. And that rounds out my list of the top things that we need to adopt from baseball in Japan. Fireworks in the game, away jerseys sold at games, cheerleaders, crowd experience, and beer girls. All right, so next up, I want to talk about one memory that sticks out to me from every step. And and this is so hard, but I went to so many different places, saw so many different things, and I, I want to look back and, and just continue in this recap to so just highlight some certain things that I experienced. and uh, The first stop that was made was my flight from LAX to Tokyo. Uh, get off at Tokyo and immediately that night go to a baseball game. So I went to Yokohama. That was sort of the first stop of the entire trip. Um, a Yokohama Bay Stars game. Um, and, and the memory that sticks out to me here uh, is just entering this stadium, Um, and this was kind of the first place that I realized the response that I could potentially get in Japan. Um, Gates opened, and 30 seconds after the gates opened, these two girls came up to me, and one was in tears, um, and just went on and on about how excited she was and how thankful she was, and uh, I, I gave them two Flippin' Batch shirts, and that was that was a really cool um, experience because it was kind of the first thing that happened to me in Japan after so long of hearing things from different people. Like, hey, like you're pretty popular in Japan. I don't know what that means. Like, I, I how am I supposed to know? And then to have that happen immediately was really cool. Also, in that game, two fans that were sitting right next to us, took the jerseys off of their backs, and gave it to two of my producers that were there. They didn't know about the show. They didn't know about what we were doing there. They just liked us. And after, you know, there was a little bit of back and forth, saying hi, exchanging, you know, fish cheese sticks, um, and exchanging beer and then next thing you know they're taking the jerseys off of their backs and giving them to us um, that was that was really special so my my that was my first that was my memory from Tokyo Yokohama the first stop from there it was off to Iwate experienced a lot of things there um, my memory that sticks out from there is being at the little League the little League that Shohei played at just the kids um, look we didn't speak the same language, none of us. I I couldn't speak their language and the kids couldn't speak mine, although some of them are in English class and they knew a few phrases, which was just the cutest thing. One of of the kids just kept saying, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, over and over, and it was great. Um, But just the experience with the kids there, um, walking up for the first time and them looking at me um, just – confused, happy, um, everything. You could just see it going through their mind. And then after being there for a couple of hours, um, to see them open up to me, to have them want to come up and to tap me on the shoulder and wave and then run away or to shake my hand or to want a picture to want autographs. Um, that whole experience with them was great. And then it was time to leave as I was getting in the van They all started lining up in front of the van, every single one of them, every player on the team. I got out of the van and walked up in front of them. They were probably 10 feet in front of me. And they all did this, like, synchronized goodbye. They took off their hat. They bowed. They said, I think it was goodbye. And um, then they all came running up, asking for autographs. I signed so many different things for them. Everything from baseballs, to water bottles, to batting gloves, to hats, to gloves, to the back of their mom's shirt, to the back of their shirt. Uh, And then I got in the van, started pulling out, and they all mobbed the van. Mobbed the van as I was pulling out. I rolled down the window. Waved by, stuck my hand out. They all gave a high five. It it was just the cutest thing in the entire world, and again, a memory that I will certainly never be forgetting. That that little league is a special place. Uh, it's it's sandwiched right in between two highways. Um, there's like a mineral field on one side of it, and out of nowhere, pops just two. Tiny little baseball fields. And just a bunch of kids that want to grow up to be like Shohei Otani. And it was really cool seeing that. Uh, so spent spent a, a few days in Iwate. From there, it was back to Tokyo where the memory that sticks out to me. And man, this, this might be the memory of the trip. The meetup at the Tokyo Dome. You know, whenever you plan a meetup, it's kind of like... I don't know. Like, I hope I hope people show up. Um, I I knew some would there um, because I was announcing it, and I knew I knew the response I had been getting to that point. But you can never truly plan for what I saw. We had the the meetup location. It was right in front of the Tokyo Dome sign, so everybody knew where to go. Um, I let's say the the meetup was set for. whatever the time was. At 2.35, okay, five minutes after that, I walk around the corner not knowing what to expect and hundreds of people were there with signs, with paintings, with drawings, with jerseys, um, with, with cameras ready to take photos. That Memory, that image, turning the corner and seeing them for the first time. That will never leave my mind ever. Um, That was special. Getting into that group was even more special. All the fans, all of the stories, all of the pictures taken, all of the hands shaken. I was supposed to be there for an hour. I was there. For well over that, over two hours, much to the chagrin of my producers that were there, who were, not that they didn't want me there, they just, it was time to leave. I wasn't doing it. To live in that moment, man, we'll never forget it. Hundreds and hundreds of people were there. Hundreds of photos. Um, so many gifts gifts were such a big thing I got so many gifts I ended up having to buy another massive suitcase a full-size suitcase to bring all of the gifts back home and there wasn't even enough room I had to stuff other gifts in other people's suitcases they were already pretty full I just had to stuff things everywhere I possibly could I got so many gifts from people. Um, one that, look, you y- <laughs> I-, I don't even know how to explain the gratitude. I don't know where to begin. One of the gifts that I got was pretty delicate and it meant a lot to me. I carried it the whole way home. In my hands. This. A little girl made me this. Um, Obviously the Flippin' Bats logo, Um, there's some writing here in Japanese. It says, thank you for making baseball so much fun. And then right here, I love you. And it's just the cutest thing in the entire world. The girl that made this was probably eight to ten years old. And, And that was just the theme of the meetup. So many stories told. One woman was in her 70s and traveled four hours just to be there for that. She left after the meetup. She traveled four hours to come and and take a picture with me and to tell me a story, um, a very, very special story. And there were just so many from throughout. And that Tokyo Dome meetup, man. I'm getting I could get choked up just thinking about it that was that was special so I was there for over two hours um, took a, a photo shook the hand of every single person that showed up and I was not leaving until that happened there was no way I was being pulled away I wanted to say hi and thank everybody for coming uh, but what a special special memory there Um was in Tokyo for a couple days. From there, it was out to Sapporo, um, Hokkaido, where Shohei played professional baseball for the fighters. Um, Man, this was a really cool part of the journey as well because I did a a couple different things. But the memory to me from here is the game from that night, the the game, the Nippon Ham Fighters game that I went to, I got to throw out the first pitch, which was a surprise. I didn't know that was coming until a couple of hours before the game. Um, I'm told about it. We get there. I throw out the first pitch. Um, I was so nervous, so nervous for that. Um, But I end up doing it. I walk out there. I step on the mound that Shohei Otani himself pitched on. For a few years, he touched 103 miles an hour on that mound. I walk out, touch the dirt of the mound, look around the crowd where thousands and thousands of people are watching, and it just kind of all hits you. But I threw. Threw a great pitch. Threw it pretty hard because when you commit, you got to commit or it could end up being awful. Fun fact here, and it continues to be uh, just an unbelievable part of the culture out here, but for every first pitch at baseball games in Japan, they send out a batter that swings no matter what, just so you can't throw a ball and feel bad about yourself. No matter what, you're going to throw a strike on the first pitch. So a batter comes out. I didn't know that was going to happen, so immediately I'm like, oh boy, I was planning on throwing this pretty hard. Hopefully I don't throw it at this guy. Threw it hard, threw a strike, All was good. Great first pitch. Unbelievable moment. I will remember forever. But speaking of when you commit, you just got to commit for it. The next thing I did was the Fox dance. I did it at this game. And after the third inning, I did the Fox dance. Now, what this means is I was actually asked after the first pitch, like, hey, after every third inning, we do a Fox dance. Do you want to see it? Or do you want to do it? I was like, yeah, yeah, sure. I'll do it. I'm committing. So after the top of the third, go down into the tunnel where I'm taught the fox dance by the cheerleaders for this team, which we all know there's cheerleaders because that's what we need to bring, part of what we need to bring to America. I learn the fox dance from the cheerleaders down in the tunnel. The fox dance that I don't know, that I'm about to go do, in front of thousands and thousands of people also was told, hey, Ben, just an FYI here. You need to wear fox ears and a tail. Yeah, I was doing it. Was down in the tunnel with these cheerleaders rocking a tail and some fox ears. And end up going out on the field, doing the dance. Um, what what a moment. What a memory that I will have forever. Um, it was just a wild game. I, I think I nailed the dance. Um and that's all there is to it you know you can say what you want to say but when you commit you commit and I committed to that dance and I did it and nobody can take it from me I did it and that was my memory from Sapporo and from there I was pretty much just back to Tokyo for the flight had a five-hour layover and from there it was back to the U.S. uh, about a 10-hour flight And, uh, yeah, that was the end of the most incredible trip of all time. All right, and to really sum this all up, to really put a bow on the most incredible trip of my life, I just want to say thank you. Um, Thank you to Japan for having me. Um, It it was – this was a special trip. This is a trip that I will remember – for the rest of my life. And I went out there to learn more about the Japanese baseball culture and to learn about Shohei Otani's background and where he came from and part of his journey. That that was the goal. And I, I did that. I, I learned everything I could about the Japanese baseball culture. And I definitely learned more about the journey Shohei had been on. But I, I learned a lot more than that. I learned a lot about myself. I learned a lot about the people there. Um. It was, it was really special, to me. You know, um, there were so many stories that were told, that really stick with you. One of one of them that sticks out is. Uh, An older gentleman came up to me and said, just thank you for, you know, the people of Japan, and this happened in Iwate, he said, the people of Japan, and especially Iwate, they are shy, they're reserved, they're a little scared to to speak boldly, and you do that about Shohei, You, you say what they're thinking, you speak their thoughts into existence that's why this is so special that's why you're getting the reaction you are and I would go on to, to hear that from so many people just thank you from fans to to managers to GMs of teams to people at the news station the biggest news station in Japan thank you for what you do, for for us, and you know, I really, I really kind of learned a lot about myself in this journey. Um, you know, I finished playing baseball about four years ago, and was a little lost. You know, I thought I was going to play baseball my whole life, and well, you know, not my whole life. I wasn't going to play until I'm eighty, but as long as I possibly could, and I wanted to be the best major league baseball player there could be. And I got pretty close. I got just about as close as you can get when I was told, hey, you're done. You're, you know, we're moving on. So it's kind of lost for a little while. A couple of years. Then I started Fox and I feel like I started finding myself. You know, I start talking about baseball. I start. I started realizing what I was meant to do. I was meant to talk about baseball, and I love every second of it. And and I started talking about Shohei Otani a lot. And then I it led to the trip to Japan. And that's kind of where it all hit me. That's where it hit me that I knew and I know that I'm in the right place. I really feel like... I found myself in Japan and it was through all of you that live there I will never forget every single experience that I had out there it was all so special and I don't I don't speak Japanese I'm trying I'm learning I know like around 20 words now I can say a few different things I don't speak your language, and you don't speak my language. And it didn't matter. We were all speaking the same language of a love and appreciation for Shohei Otani, for baseball. And that is the coolest thing of all. Two people that can't communicate with words, didn't need it. I felt the love, the gifts, I got hundreds of gifts. I took thousands of photos. I met hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people. And it didn't matter because I felt the love and i hope you all felt the appreciation um so to japan thank you and from the bottom of my heart i love you and i love the experience thank you to all of you what a trip it was i'm emotional now even thinking about it so thank you all um and that's how this episode is gonna end i this episode was a little bit different a full recap of japan power rankings but uh, it was special. And Major League Baseball is going to go on. Baseball in Japan is going to go on. But my first episode back, I just needed to, to sum everything up in one episode. So thank you all for listening to this episode. This has been a special one. Make sure you like, subscribe, download anywhere you listen to your podcast: Apple, Spotify, Google. And we're on all social media as well. At Flippin Bats Pod, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. TikTok, and you can watch every single episode on YouTube as well at Flippin' Bats Pod. But thank you all for listening. I am back here in studio. Flippin' Bats is back in the United States. The Monday episode is here. It has come and gone. And until tomorrow, I will see you all next time. Peace.